This is the Extra Point Podcast. During this podcast, we will dive deeper into our Sunday teaching and share practical next steps for your faith journey. Now, let's kick off the Extra Point. Well, welcome to the Extra Point. I'm Cheryl Ross, the Discipleship and Next Steps pastor here at Southridge Church with Scott Beha, our lead pastor. And we're in our second week of the series, Stained Glass Crash, where you introduced the idea of perfection and how you said the gospel is pointless for perfect people. Yeah. So if you missed it, I really encourage you to go back and make sure you listen to that sermon because it was really, really good and it'll help give you some insight for what we're going to talk about today. But you taught from Philippians written by Paul, who wrote about this idea that righteousness can only be found through faith Mm -hmm. in Christ. And so it doesn't matter what our resumes look like. It doesn't matter how good we think we might be. Or um, And Paul was one of those who his resume is pretty stacked as far as perfection or following, you know, the rules and regulations and things. But we can never actually be good enough in that area. So Um, it's really not a license to sin, but some people may take something like this context and do this. But you said that we shouldn't settle in our sin yeah, and that we should strive for more. So in verse 12, um, is, is really kind of one of the verses that hit with me a lot. Um, I want to know, like, what's this look like for us to really not settle in our sin, not come, not use things as, um, a reason to sin or a license to sin, but seeing this idea of how it's a process. Yeah. So, and here's how I think the church has traditionally handled this topic. And I think there's two extremes that people mm-hmm. go to that are really, really unhealthy. And I think the and I think people do that with decent motives, but also not great motives because there's this messy middle that that's where no one wants to live at, right? So some some of the church would go to this this side of, oh, it doesn't, if you're saved, then how you live doesn't matter. Like they would go all the way to the extreme of this like once in grace, always in grace, theology of eternal security, perseverance of the saints, which I don't think that that doctrine in its purest form is really that, like I don't have a problem with people that believe that. I have a problem with people that take it to this extreme where they go like, well, it doesn't really matter what anyone, you know, if you prayed the prayer, you raise your hand, then it never matters what you do. Like there's, so there's people that go to that extreme and they don't deal with the messy middle because they're just like, no, if you prayed that prayer, you're good no matter what. Then there's people that kind of, you know, some folks even in our own movement that would be away on the other side where they're like, one sin, you're out, you better get resaved, right. you know, every time that you mess up. I think that's a really unhelpful way of looking at it as well. Because in the middle are these people that, like, resonate with Paul, that look a lot like Paul. Like, Paul also writes in, in Romans, he says, like, I always do the things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't do the things that I want to do. Like, mm-hmm. what a wretched man am I? Like, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. That should be, and I, and I know what happens is these people go like, oh, no, that's the pre-salvation Paul. That's what he's talking about. I'm like, I don't think that's what he's talking about mm-hmm. whatsoever. I think that he's saying, as a saved man, he still struggles. Mm-hmm. That's what he says in Philippians 3 that we were looking at. He's like, I, I, like, I have not arrived. And yet there's a whole you know, section of Christianity that's like, that preaches perfection in mm-hmm. like, 
the moral sense of it, and I go like, I've got major issues with that because if Paul says he hasn't arrived, mm-hmm. I mean, then then why why would we think that we have arrived? Right. And so both of those extremes are really unhelpful. Mm-hmm. And so for us, like, what does it not look like to sit in my sin? Right. It's this that I am striving to not sin. That's mm-hmm. my goal. Every morning I wake up, that's my goal. But I've got enemies of my soul and of my spiritual progress that are going to do everything they can to see me not meet that goal. And some days are better than others. But I will tell you, I, I can't, because of the Spirit of God in me, I can't do the things that I used to do and not feel something some way about it. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, t- I'll try to explain this to people. Like, if you can sin and not bat an eye at it, like, mm-hmm. at the end of your sin, you're like, eh, you know, like, you shrug mm-hmm. it off. Like, that is the evidence of someone that does not have the Spirit of God in them. Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine, like, this, like, God is so repulsed by sin. And the, the, the theological conviction we have is that every believer, true believer, has the Spirit of God in them. Mm-hmm. So if the Spirit of God is dwelling in me mm-hmm. and hates sin, but yet I sin, how could I ever say, oh, I'm, I'm unbothered by that? Because right. the very spirit within me mm-hmm. should be bothered by that. Yeah. It doesn't mean that it doesn't happen from time to time. Now, I, I am of the conviction that as you follow Jesus a long way down this path, mm-hmm. it should get better. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you should be, and what I have seen is I have seen that the sins have a tendency to shift, right? Yeah. More outward early on. Right, like mm-hmm. so, the Lord, like the day I got saved, I did not do drugs, uh, even though that was a big part of my life. I did mm-hmm. not do drugs ever again yeah. after that day. Like, so, like the Lord just like took that in an instance. Mm-hmm. But like, I had a fil- I have a filthy mouth, right? I had a filthy mouth from the time. Honestly, I know some of y'all will be like, "Oh, that's, that's like, um, you know, over exaggerated." No, like I was writing like um, comic books in kindergarten, first grade with explicit language in it, like. I've had a filthy yeah. mouth as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Love cuss words. So that was like something that like long time in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, my my mouth is now not what it was 10 years ago. Right. It's still not what I hope it will be in 10 years from now. Like I'm mm-hmm. not going around just like cussing people out or anything yeah. like that. But I'm just saying there's there's ha- there should be this problem. But like early on it was like mm-hmm. the Lord was don't get high no more. Let's not get mm-hmm. drunk anymore. Let's not. Um, do uh, whatever it was a lot of outward stuff, and mm-hmm. now the areas that I feel the Lord dealing with me are on are more internal, mm-hmm. right? In fact, I think they're they're the things that could could be easily concealed and never dealt with, which mm-hmm. is what I think some people do. Yeah. Once they've taken care of the out outward part of it, yeah. um, the way that this was even said to me, I don't want to. Hopefully, this isn't out of bounds. <laughs> the way that it was said to me by people that hold one of those extreme positions is that those things that are kind of inward are what's called personal flaws and not sins. I said, well, that's a convenient way to say, oh, yeah, I got rid of all my outward sin, mm-hmm. but, like, to never have to deal with the heart. And for me, I go, like, look, if my heart is filled with anger, if my heart is filled with lust and pride, I do not mm-hmm. want an excuse not to deal with that. Yeah, I don't want to act like it's not there because it right. is. But I'm not going to say, oh, that, that's just my personal flaw. Yeah. And what do no, you. No, that's my sin. That's yeah. sin that needs dealt with. And what do you take when you go to a passage with 
the anointing of, of David yeah. where Samuel is told that God judges the heart. Like, yeah. he, like people judge the outward appearance, yeah. but God judges by what's in the heart of a man. Oh, and yeah. so like, if it matters to God, then <laughs> it should matter to us too. Like if 100%. that's something that matters, like it's, it's one of those, it does a lot of times people use things like that to make them feel yeah. okay with their sin or with those things and yeah. not, um, I think it's like conflating this idea that sometimes people are like, like I am not my flesh, mm-hmm. but like in that moment, if I were to say, Oh, it's just my own personal mm-hmm. issues, you know, not sin, but just the way that I'm wired, yeah. I would be identifying my whole self with my flesh rather than mm-hmm. seeing that as something that needs to be crucified mm-hmm. as something that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Like I am not my own personal proclivities towards no i in every way shape and form when i accepted jesus i was made into a new creation mm-hmm. and i know some people go on the extreme of that and go well then if you're a new creation then why because it's that in my temporal self in my physical body as it is now mm-hmm. i still have a flesh mm-hmm. and so therefore sometimes i'm prone to stupidness and i'm prone to weakness as much as anybody i'm prone to like you guys know this that work with me. Like if, like when I'm tired, I'm not like I'm not an easy person to be around. But that's not like an, most of us. But I don't. Yeah, but yeah. I, I'm not okay with that. Right. Like I will never. If I snap at my kids because mm-hmm. I've not had enough rest, I'm not looking back and going, "Well, I was just tired," and you know that's just right. how I am. No, yeah. that's something like I want to. By the time my life is finished, I want even in my weakest times to not to not go to sin. Mm-hmm. I want even on my weakest day to be like, yeah, but I'm still not going to go down that path. I'm not there yet. Like Paul said in Philippians 3, I'm not yeah. there yet. Yeah. But that's what it looks like. It's like I am. I want to be mm-hmm. perfect. Right. I, I so badly want to. Yeah. And so that's my goal. When I don't hit it, I don't let it crush me in, in right. the sense of like, well, I'm going to throw in the towel, right. but I do let it sting me to the point where yeah. I go like, okay, I've got to, I've got to go back to the God. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not asking so much for, I heard this really helpful thing this last weekend that honestly has been doing so much in my heart the last couple of days. I, I don't have to ask forgiveness for things God's already forgiven me for. The thing that I need to go back to the Father for is to ask for freedom. Mm. It's totally, like if, if on the cross God forgave me of my sins, I don't have to keep going and asking for forgiveness of my sins. But on the cross, he also purchased the freedom from my, from my sins. That's what I want. Yeah. I want freedom from it. I know that I'm forgiven. Yeah. I want freedom from the thing that makes me lust. I want yeah. freedom from the thing that makes me prideful, the thing that makes me yell, the thing that makes me angry. Mm-hmm. I, 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 those things are forgiven, sure. Yeah. I want freedom from them. Yeah. That's that's what this looks like. That's that messy middle where yeah. if I were on this extreme, I'd just go like, I'm saved. Who cares if I yelled at my kids, if I lost my temper at a Little League game or, yeah. uh, you know, I did something hor- Like, who cares? I'm mm-hmm. saved. It's like, no, I can't do that. But on the other side of it, like to treat grace as so flimsy as like one weak moment in my flesh and I'm no longer a Christian, mm-hmm. I just – I can't go down that path either. So, like, right. I would just prefer to deal with people in the messy middle. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, the longer I'm in ministry, the, the easier that's actually getting to be comfortable mm-hmm. in that spot. Because, like, I'm meeting people that that have issues in their life. Yeah. 
that I would have on the surface been like, how could you be in that situation and really love Jesus? Right. And I'm meeting some people that I would have probably written off at some point and been like, no, sorry, you're not a Christian because you live this way. Mm-hmm. That like I'm finding out they really, really love Jesus. And some of them are, they don't know how to get out of the situations that they're mm-hmm. in. Right. So yeah. I, I'm going to do ministry in the messy middle of those two things. Um, and it's, it's, that's the hard route, right? We have to have a lot of conversations, a lot of like, mm-hmm. you can't have a lot of policies when you choose to live in the middle. Yeah. Right. You have to actually treat people like people and rather than policies. Mm-hmm. So it's as church leaders yeah. for us to have to deal with people in the, in that, but it's a better way yeah. because what we're trying to do is help people find freedom from these things. We're not trying to excuse them away, but we're also not trying to scare people to death. And the yeah. fact that like every time your mind wanders, Oh, you just got unsaved again. It's like, Oh yeah. my goodness. What a horrible, like almost borderline abusive thing to do to someone. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that idea because this whole idea you talked about from verse 12, how the word perfection there really doesn't is kind of a bad translation now it's more of a wholeness yeah and um we all know like we're we live in a broken world we're broken people um so often we do things that break other people or hurt other people or hurt ourselves and it's about more of like fixing what's broken making us whole and it's part of the process and as you were talking about that and this idea of um whether you're on a faith journey or a fake journey mm-hmm. It's really this concept of, of a big church word that we don't use a lot, like sanctification. Yeah. And a lot of people do think that once you accept Jesus Christ and as your Savior, you, you do all that, then you are sanctified, that you are then made holy. Yeah. But there is, that's like an initial point, but there's this continual process of sanctification yeah. that happens. And that's kind of what we're talking about with yeah. this, right? Like. Yeah, it was interesting to me. Like when I was going through my ordination process, this was one of the sticking points uh-huh. between me and the group that or- mm-hmm. or- ordained me because my terminology and the way that I speak about this is a little different, even though I think that we're saying the same thing. So mm-hmm. we would all agree that there's the initial work of grace on the moment that I believe on the the the, the work of Jesus on the cross, that mm-hmm. I am justified, I am saved, mm-hmm. I'm forgiven of my sins, I'm made a new creation, all that. And then I don't, I don't think sanctification in the sense of, like, this crisis moment happens immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't. Like, f- like, it happens further down the road. Like, so I'm saved, and then I'm trying to work out this salvation. But then I do think that, and, and this is where I agree with our camp on this, mm-hmm. I do think that we would consider the moment of sanctification a crisis moment where I go, like, you know what, there's another level to this, mm-hmm. and I'm pushing all my chips in. I'm all in on this. Like, there's a moment that that second work of grace sanctification happens. So I'm totally in on the theology of our camp on that. Mm-hmm. But then the way that it was even explained to me, though, was after that after that crisis moment, that there was still the process of following Jesus afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, there was still the process of further sanctification. Mm-hmm. And so, like, our camp's not a big fan of the word progressive trans. Uh, sanctification because mm-hmm. they want to talk about that crisis moment, which mm-hmm. I said, well, I, I, I would have to say in my own personal experience, as well as the way that I read the scriptures that I think that it's both. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that there is a moment that I go like, there's another level here. Yeah. But like uh, upon that day, 
to act as if I've already arrived go, flies in the face of Philippians 3. Yeah. Flies in the face of the things that Paul said about how, like, this is going to, like, how we haven't arrived. I, I forget what's behind. I press forward. Like, it flies yeah. in the face of all that. And so, like, and I, I think, so some of the, the, the confusion around that word perfect comes from, like, the words of Jesus, Matthew 5, um, 48. Like, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Again, that word should have been whole. Mm-hmm. Like, there should be a, a wholeness that's happening. Like, mm-hmm. remember, God, in Genesis one twenty six, God made us in his image. Mm-hmm. Sin marred that image. For us to be considered perfect, it is the, it is the complete healing of the image of yeah. God within us, which yeah. is not, which brings with it moral mm-hmm. perfection, yes, on that day mm-hmm. that we're fully healed. But, like, really what it is is it is a, a bringing back together of the yeah. image of God in me. That's what it means yeah. to be whole. It means to be genuinely human, the way that God actually made me. But then this is the misunderstanding. Jesus says, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. But that's in a passage about teaching about love for your enemies. Yeah. Now, now, if I was a bad preacher, which there's plenty of those out there that do point, you know, proof texting of their sermons, like, you might go, all right, number one, here's my point. You are to be perfect. What's my proof? Matthew 5, 46, or uh, 48 says, but you're to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Like, well, yeah, I can make it say that if I pull it out of context, but what Jesus is, out of context, what Jesus is saying here is that when it comes to loving our enemies, the love in our heart, that's where the, that's where the wholeness is coming from. Yeah. That, like, when it comes to how I treat people that do me wrong, what it means to be like Jesus is to treat those people like Jesus would treat them. This is not a verse that's saying, like, oh, you better be perfect. Jesus said you better be perfect. That's only to pull it out of context. Yeah. Right? And so you have to read that in context. So that word, speaking to wholeness, is, is talking about the process by which God is taking that marred image within us and re, like, reinvigorating it into that perfected image that he gave us. Yeah. Right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it's obvious from Philippians 3 where I was at on Sunday. Yeah. That is not going to happen. There's a reason why Paul ends up at the end of the passage mm-hmm. going that one day Jesus is coming back yeah. and, he will give, like, and he will give us that resurrection yeah. body. Because until that moment, mm-hmm. that's when we're perfect. Yeah. That's when we're fully whole. Yeah. Right? And so anything that doesn't teach some sort of lifelong process mm-hmm. of following Jesus I think is going to do a disservice to people. Because yeah. on one end, you're going to get people to excuse their sin. On this end, you're going to get people that are very hyper um, judgmental. They're critical of themselves. They're hard to be around. They're really, like, just kind of cantankerous. Yeah. Those are, like, the grouchy Christians. Yeah. Either of those is going to be really unhelpful for this. And so yeah, absolutely. we just need to wrestle through it. Yeah, and I think it, it also kind of diminishes the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. within us when we do that. But you really, that hope that we have is that final culmination of of being made whole. And it's this idea of, I don't just think about sinning and not sinning, but this idea of all of that pain and hurt and all those things that I've faced in my life, like just being made new and whole and beautiful and and it all making sense in that moment. But um, you shared this idea about how, you know, you're, you're not what you, who you used to be, but you're not who you're going to be either. And, and this idea of really um, following the examples of, of others ahead of us, a little bit ahead of us in our faith journey. 
And I want to just hear from you, shift gears as we kind of come to a close here, how big this idea of having, whether you want to call it a mentor in your faith journey Mm -hmm. or um, whatever, really has played and can play in our spiritual growth. Because I know it's been huge for me when I was younger and even now having those people um, without them, I, I know I wouldn't be where I am now. And, um, there's this idea of, of, you know, knowing of someone and knowing them, but even more than that, like knowing people who know someone and seeing them and what they're doing, that's kind of that idea that we're seeing is it's not just us knowing them, but knowing other people who know God, um, and watching them and, and learning from them. So give us just, I, 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 I credit this to be the number one factor outside of God's grace for why I am where I am is because I saw someone who walked a similar path to me who was on a drastically different path. Because, mm-hmm. like, in my, in my mind, people that were raised in the church who got it early on in life, mm-hmm. that, you know, that those were the only people that were ever really going to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I had never seen very many people walked the path that I walked that ever could figure out how to be faithful to God. Yeah. And when I sat, uh, I showed up, I, I can still show you, it's getting ready to be the new youth room. I walked into that room, I saw this guy, and it was like, and then to hear him share about how mm-hmm. God's moving in his life, how God has changed all this stuff in his life, I go like, oh man, th- this is real. Like mm-hmm. this, is, this is something that can actually mm-hmm. change me. And it, yeah. it, and it did. And yeah. me and him still walk together faithfully to this day. Yeah. Right? Like, we're both in ministry now. We're both lead pastors now. We, we talk all the time about, you know, you know, ways that we fail and struggle. And we talk about our marriages and our kids. And, mm-hmm. I mean, just we're, we're still doing it. But it all happened from that one moment that I saw, I finally saw a way out. Yeah. Right? When I was a teenager, I would go to the altar all the time. Um, mm-hmm. In church, like I'd feel convicted because remember, I, I never went the route of being an atheist. Mm-hmm. I feel convicted about stuff all the time. Go to the altar, but then I, I would get back up, and then I would still have these like, like, thoughts and feelings that I'd be like, "Well, that didn't work. Mm-hmm. I'm no different now." And then I didn't have anyone in my life that was a Christian. That so I was like, "Oh, okay." So I just didn't ever yeah. see a path forward. When I saw him, that was like my thing. That was like. I don't feel like I can be much like Jesus right now, but I think I could I think I could be like Jason, right? Like I think mm-hmm. I could I think I could see enough in of Jesus in him for me to get a like so it and it's not elevating mm-hmm. someone above Jesus. It's just right. like this and this first off is the scriptures. Like Paul's like follow my examples, I follow Christ, right. right? And that's what happened. That was the difference maker for me. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, we hope that you can also find someone to walk this faith journey with you that's maybe a little ahead of you. I think if any next step is the next step that you should take from this, if you are already along that faith journey, following, trying to follow Jesus as best as you can, find someone that's a little ahead of you, walk with them, pray with them, share your struggles with them, yeah. and see how much you're going to grow from that. And we look forward to hearing about that and seeing you grow and growing with you as we um, are back here again next week on the Extra Point sharing Um, another week from our series Stained Glass Crash. So you can catch us on um, any podcast channel that you listen to. 
and we will be back again next week. Thanks for tuning in to The Extra Point. Be sure to subscribe to the Southridge Church Podcast and tune in every Wednesday for another episode of The Extra Point.